Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. A very happy new year from all of us here at GFFN. I think it's fair to say that we're all delighted to leave 2020 in the rearview mirror and move forward to what we hope will be a, a, far, a far more prosperous 2021 for French football and for the world as a whole. Um, we're back to give you uh, your weekly foray into all the latest footballing news uh, in France. And it's fair to say there has been a lot going on in the last few weeks. Transfers, managerial appointments and two rounds of matches that now leave us exactly halfway through the Ligue 1 season. Uh, after a very busy Saturday in particular, which saw all the Ligue 1 uh, teams in action, uh, we'll be taking a look at Maurizio Pochettino's first win as PSG coach, uh, namely a 3-0 victory over Brest, as well as Rennes and Lyon's enthralling 2-all draw and Dijon and Marseille's goalless stalemate. Uh, sadly, much like Dario Benedetto, we can't always bring the goals. Uh, we'll also be previewing the very much delayed Trophée des Champions, which takes place finally this Wednesday between PSG and Marseille, um, provide some musings on the transfer market and finish off with a spotlight on one of this season's breakout young talents, uh, Rennes left-back Adrian Truffert. Uh, joining me to bring in the new year, I have Eric Devin. Hey, Eric. Hey, how are we doing? Very well. Looking forward to, uh, to being back and to dissecting the uh, interesting events going on in Ligue 1. Uh, also joining me uh, is someone who I'm sure has been eagerly waiting to heap praise on Dijon this week, Mo. Uh, Muhammad Ali. Hey, Mo. Hello. Right. Well, um, if it's okay with you, gents, I'd like us to start with, uh, uh, with PSG's win over Brest. Uh, so after firing Thomas Tuchel on Christmas Eve... Uh, Les Parisiens decided to bring in Mauricio Pochettino to take the reins, his first job since being dismissed from Tottenham Hotspur in November 2019. Uh, Pochettino, of course, a former Paris Saint-Germain player, having been at the club from 2001 to 2003. Um, his tenure began last week with a disappointing one-all draw uh, with Saint-Étienne. Uh, but on Saturday, PSG secured a 3-0 win over Brest at the Parc des Princes with goals from Moise Kane, uh, Pablo Sarabia, and now finally fit after a long spell out with injury, Mauro Icardi. Uh, let's start with the match specifically. Um, as I say, it was a 3-0 win for PSG, but two of those goals came in the last 10 minutes. Um, so, Eric, the, the scoreline for that match is somewhat flattering, no? Uh, yes. Um, I mean, this, this is the thing. You know, Brest are a team that... Um, I think we've seen play with great conviction going forward, but can be somewhat sloppy at the back. And I think that in terms of, in terms of the result, it, it's probably about fair on the, on the balance. But I, I also would, would say that, you know, I mean, I feel like <clears throat> I, I want to say that this was not breast at their best. Um, I, I think that there was very little rotation between the side that played on Saturday and, and the side that played on Wednesday. Um, and, and playing that sort of frenetic 4-4-2 that uh, Olivier Dalio likes to play, um, I think that sort of bit the Breton side. I think that, that their, their being tired at the end um, you know, certainly had its fair share in PSG growing into the game and, and this final score being what it was. Um, you know, against a team that's had a week's rest, against a team you know, fully fit and fighting, um, I, I don't think it would be so comprehensive a, as a result. I mean, Brest have shown on plenty of occasions that they're you know, they had a draw against Leon recently. Um, they were, for a long time, the only side to have beaten Lille. 
Um, they're a team that's more than capable, you know, when they're in full command of their capabilities of going toe to toe with the very best sides in the league. So I, I think that uh, PSG's squad depth, even though they were missing players on Saturday, may have allowed them to dodge a bullet to some extent here. What did what did you make of um, uh, focusing on, on on Brest? What did you make of the fact that you mentioned the kind of ro- lack, rotation or lack thereof? But um, Dalolio did bring out uh, Steve Mounier and, and seemed to play Roman Favre kind of off Irvan Cardona as the kind of front two, or at least that's the way it looked to me in that four four two you mentioned. Do you, do you feel that was kind of a tactical decision that played off somewhat, or would do you think the game could have gone differently for Brest in an attacking sense? if they had kind of stuck to that that usual front two of Cardona and, and Mounier? Well, it's interesting. I, you know, I, I, I feel like in in looking at Cardona and, and how well he'd done last season, you know, writing the preview guide for the site, I, I tipped Cardona as being a player to watch. But I often feel that he's at his best when he's given a little bit more freedom of position. That's working off a bigger uh, you know, target man, if you will. Last season, that was Gaetan Charbonnier. Uh, this season, it's been Steve Mounier, who's been, uh, mind you, a good acquisition for Brest. I think that we, you know, we saw, okay, maybe he was out of his depth in England, but he was certainly a very capable player um, playing with um, playing with Montpellier a few seasons ago. And I see he's still only 25, 26 years old, I think. I remember exactly how old he is, um, but certainly not past it by any means. So I think that was a canny acquisition on the part of Brest. Um, well, you know, I, I think that in playing that front four of Philippe Ato, Honora, Fev and, and Cardona, that he wanted to have players who were a bit pacier and a bit trickier um, to try to draw those to try to draw PSG's uh, backline out of position. Now, mind you, um, you know Marquinhos and Diallo, uh, you know are you know decent um, in terms of their pace. But Diallo has you know not been the strongest this season. I, I think that he he had a, one of his better matches of the season, um, and so I think that that. You know what Dalio had hoped to turn into, into his favor in terms of his selection um, actually ended up working working against them. I, I feel like perhaps a more physical presence on the pitch, um, you know, maybe would have slowed Brest down a little bit. But I think it, I think it would have pinned PSG back a little bit. Um, you know, having to deal with a player who's more of an aerial threat, as is as is Mounier, for example. Mo, talking there about forward selection and kind of the impact that that can have on matches. Obviously, we've seen. Moise Ken have a pretty pretty sensational start to life in uh, in in Paris. I think that's nine goals in thirteen league on matches uh, now. But of course, that was also uh, Mauro Icardi's first appearance. I think for for several months and his first goal uh, as well, coming off the bench to score. As, as I mentioned, do you feel now, despite Icardi being back, that that Kane perhaps um, offers PSG something something more than than kind of the the pure poacher? Um, pure finisher that 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 Icardi is, and and as a result of that, do you think that maybe he's replaced or displaced, I should say, Icardi in the uh, PSG uh, attacking pecking order? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I don't exactly, I'm hundred percent aware of the the thought process in being in towards the end of the deadline. I think that just, I think PSG had a look at sort of the, the schedule this year, and knowing that you know every little help uh, personnel so soon after uh, uh, paid fifty million. 55 million euros for, for Icardi. Um, but I think absolutely for Paris, but I'm not just in league and where the quality also, um, I think did pretty well in, in the Champions League um, with, with his two goals, particularly uh, against Basaksa here as well, um, helping lead to uh, qualification. 
um, has a fantastic record in the Parc des Princes. I think he offers a little bit. Um, he contributes a lot more off the ball uh, to mm. Paris Saint Germain's uh, front three play. He, he's uh, linking up really, really well with the flanks. It's not just fox in the box um, approach that Icardi has benefited from last season. You know, of the wingers and then um, Mbappe in particular uh, would do perhaps a little bit more of the work off the ball and then feed it into your sort of static um, with his finishing ability. I just think Keane has been such a revelation at a more discounted price. I think they might not so much regret Conicardi with the injury problems and I guess um, um, overall profile that they probably didn't need to uh, leverage so much um, when they uh, made that move permanent. Um, I just, yeah, I think he, with his with his goal record so far, I think he's really in double figures for the season. And, you know, his status is not going to be your first name. He knows um, after a disjointed time in the Premier League, the people he's playing with, that he he's he's almost on Sarabia's level where his place and just works for the collective. Very unassuming. Whereas I think Icardi expects um you know, to be um you know on 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 the XI every every week um, with sure. Mbappe and Neymar or Di Maria alongside him. You're gonna have to fit all of that in. Um and I just think that yeah, I don't know how Pochini will approach this, but Keane's given him a very good selection headache. Keane is the one that you want off the bench to unlock those situations and to work for the collect. And and has clearly evident a very good shot in him. I think he's taken his time in the gun very, very well. And um, I won't be surprised if he gets 20 goals this season um, overall. Yeah, he's he's been he's been almost unrecognisable from the player we saw at, at Everton, which I don't think was entirely entirely his doing. And and um, certainly uh, looks like a, a very, very astute acquisition, especially as uh, I think uh, PSG are in talks to sign him uh, permanently. Um, you mentioned, Mo, the kind of selection headaches posing uh, that Pochettino is going to have to deal with. And of course, uh, we should say that this is the first podcast of the year, so no one has yet had a chance to to assess Pochettino's appointment uh, on podcast here at GFFN. So I'd like to get both of your thoughts on this, really. Mo, I'll start with you, but what do you make of, of the appointment in general? And I know it's only we're only two matches in, but based on those two matches or kind of the goings-on at the club since his arrival, what have been your impressions so far? Well, uh, so, you know, to, to be to be frank, I was too cool, though. I did realise that it was quite harsh and uh, to sack him. And I think, um, personally, I think they've acted their top uh, choice or top two, essentially, um, had been making other clubs and where I think would have signed uh, at another club by the end of the season with that being um, maybe announced a bit beforehand. So I think that instead that they moved very quickly to lock that in because I think, don't think that was too cool. Um, at the Paris Saint-Germain um, hot seats. Had they even won the Champions League, I don't think that he would have been afforded another season. I think, you know, in Paris, you don't just have to be a good coach with results. You need to be a lot of things. You need to be a mediator. You need to be a diplomat. You need to uh, manage a lot of different stakeholders. Um, and I think what we've relationship with Leonardo, previous with Henrique, um, uh, Al Khalifi with his comments to the press, and just the gen- generic sense that you get of his... A relationship with with the star players, I don't think that it was that satisfactory. So, obviously, people that don't follow Liga and don't follow um, the, the that moves behind the throne, so to speak, at Paris Saint Germain, um, will think you know, he is still in a title race. He's still qualified. It's only been five or so months since the Champions League final, but that does mm-hmm. look essentially harsh. But I think personally, I don't um, find it too surprising. Um, 
And I just think PSG have just preempted that and made made the call. And it's exactly these sort of calls that you need to do if you want to, um, you know, make a, a bold change and and sort of shock your players and um, also just you know go for your objective um, um, rather than you know dilly dallying and having those opportunities pass you by. I think Pochettino is a cut above um, the likes of uh, Tuchel and Emery. Who have been maybe a certain kind of man, not so much a superstar manager, not so much a big name, um, but people that are highly regarded, but perhaps are entering in their first truly um, big, big club job. I think Pochettino, to an extent, does re- replicate that, but very well regarded in both Tottenham and leaps and bounds um, since his um, arrival. And I think um, his relationship with players there is just you've got many, many players um, who have improved insurmountably um i think uh, with him he's he's definitely um got higher skills on man management he has that relationship with the players and i think he has um, an idea of how the best out of uh paris management being the next player as well with, with uh, you know being being uh, i mean i won't call him call him a psg legend but psg have a <laughs> knack of uh, you know labeling players that don't really stay too long in the capitals legends but um i'm just using their words but um, he, he has a very, very strong, and I think everyone in all of the work that he's done, particularly in England, um, it's a shame, perhaps, you know, he, he had been long linked to Manchester United, but I think Paris from Paris Angela, a top job uh, for him. You know, he's taken Southampton deep into the Premier League um, and he's, he's taken Tottenham to the Champions League final. Um, and I think Paris Angela, his, his, his job would essentially to go to the Champions League final again and this time win it. Um, so it's, it's a great appointment for them. I think it brings a different face to perhaps the cold and slightly abrasive Tuchel. Um, and, uh, you know, even though we're only into, you know, into the first two games of his reign, um, there have been some improvements. There have been a couple of things um, that he's picked up on that he's to change and, and slightly align. I think that tactically we'll see that over a couple of uh, weeks and months, you know, what his um, first XI will be. Uh, we've already heard, I think, a couple of transfer rumours about the players that he wants to sign Aguero and Pogba amongst them um, but you know we shall see he's got a big big job on his hands but I think he's, he's the profile uh, he's got the necessary profile to take this I think I'd, I'd agree with all of that um, Eric anything to add in terms of your thoughts on the appointment and any any main takeaways so far in, in his in his brief stint in the role so yeah looking at the results so far I think that you know people were somewhat surprised to see that draw against Antetian to start things off um, Claude Puel definitely had his team well up for that match, and that was a bit of a surprise. But I think we began to see um, a more composed and and more direct performance. Uh, you know, again, missing a decent amount of players. Um, I, you had Paredes missing, you had Daniel Ferreira missing, you had Neymar, of course, missing on Saturday. And it was still a relatively comprehensive victory in the end, even if I think Brest were probably by the end of that match a little bit tired with little rotation in the two matches they played and coming back from a break. But um, yeah, I guess my question would be, um, how do we really see Pochettino applying the style of management that he has, he has done so successfully in Southampton and, and Spurs uh, to Paris Saint-Germain? I mean, his, he had a knack there for uh, improving players, developing younger players. I mean, th- I think we think obviously of the likes of um, Dele Alli and uh, Harry Kane specifically at, um, at Spurs. Um, yeah, now granted, he also improved players that had, had been there a while. I mean, you look at 
maybe someone like Toby Alderweireld, uh, I think certainly improved as a player and not, and he was not a young player when he was brought in. Um, Jan Bertongen, I would say as well. But I think the question remains here, uh, you know, what, how does that fit into a, a PSG team where, you know, you have players who are, even if they're young, as in the case of Mbappe, they still are established stars. Um, you know, they're, they believe that they are, the, you know, among the greatest players in the game. And they're not wrong. I mean, I, I, think, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who would take a lot of issue with arguing over, you know, whether in particular, uh, you know, Neymar and Mbappe, I, I'd probably throw in Di Maria and Marquinhos in there, are in or at least in the conversation for being the top 10 players in the world. So I think the question is going to be, is Pochettino going to make a difference in this team by improving, you know, players at the margins, maybe like Mitchell Backer, um, for example, a, a younger player, Colin Dogba, mm -hmm. a player who has a chance to come on. I mean, right back, for example, is a spot that I think PSG have, has struggled with for, for quite a while. I mean, um, Thomas Mounier had a, you know, a couple of good seasons, but then really fell off a cliff. Serge Aurier, you know, was never really the answer. Um you know, that's, you know, Florenzi, again, same thing. I mean, he can be excited going forward, but really is not the right answer. Um, it's questionable whether they still have, um, you know, the kind of defensive midfield that they want, you know, even with the, the arrival of Danilo Pereira and Tuchel having played Marquinhos there. Um, is he going to be able to get you know, the options that he has in, in you know, those quote-unquote problem positions uh, to be able to improve to a significant degree? Um, and I, I think that the jury is going to remain out on that side of things for quite a while. Um, because given the, the nature of the season in the wake of the global health crisis we're, we're undergoing, um, and given the fact that he has a mid-season mid appointment, I think we really need to give Pochettino uh, a summer window, a full preseason, uh, to really see the results. But for me, I think the jury has to be out. Um, I think if they don't win Ligue 1, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even leap to any conclusions in terms of that. Uh, the keep mm -hmm. had run a thing in in their last issue before going on strike, and you know solidarity with them. I hope that that um, gets settled in the journalist's favor. Mm -hmm. Favor, and but but yeah, they had run a run a thing saying, well, you know, look at look at how these matches shape up um, for the three contenders, Leo, PSG, and, and Leon, uh, saying, okay, who's going to have the more challenging set of fixtures run, running running down the back end of the season? And the answer was, well, Leon has the least challenging set of sets, so maybe they could be considered the favorite. I'm not saying that you know PSG's depth of talent has anything anything that anything in terms of contention over over <clears throat> over Leon's between those two clubs, but um, I I do think that yeah, Pochettino is obviously a very talented manager, but I think the jury remains out how trans how translatable his the type of success which he achieved uh, in England and Spain is to the type of squad he has at his disposal in Paris. Yeah, and I think that is a very good point. I feel um, I, I completely agree. I feel that the, 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 there is an element of the pressure being off um, based on the kind of exceptional circumstances this season. And I think the need perhaps for Paris Saint-Germain to pounce on, 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 on an opportunity because there are probably a lot of those, a lot of clubs that could attract Pochettino that may perhaps be out of a manager in the next kind of, by the, by the time the summer rolls around at least, um, um, but certainly the, the, the idea of, of, I think what he's most celebrated for in, in England certainly is, is his ability to develop players and at PSG, it's, you know, it's not the same, simply not the same parameters at Tottenham, not only 
has he joined mid-season? But of course, you know, he is has got a lot of experience, a lot of top-class players already at his disposal. And um, at PSG, you know, the, 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 there's more, far more of a desire for instant success than there is at Spurs, you know, where he was able to ha- take the time to build a team in his image. He has um, does seem to have paid a lot of attention, um, according to the press, to to some of the some of PSG's younger players since he arrived at the club, particularly uh, Javi Simmons, who is um, obviously very, very t- highly talented and highly regarded. So it will be interesting to see how uh, how Pochettino deals with these uh, deals with these uh, these young players because he has you know one of the best, if not the best, set of um, potential young players at his disposal based on based on how many um, quality talents are brought through at, at Paris Saint Germain. So it will be interesting to see that how he deals with that balance of bringing success, but also kind of, you know, living up to his reputation as a kind of manager who's, who's capable of really developing younger players into top, top talents. Uh, anyway, let's move on to uh, the second match from Saturday that we'll be discussing, and that is uh, Rennes versus Lyon. Uh, Rennes um, hosted Lyon after a, after, a, um, so after a torrid run of form for the home side, um, they ended 2020 with four straight wins before drawing against Nantes in the Breton Derby last week. Uh, they welcomed Lyon, who were top of the league, uh, on eight wins uh, in their last nine. Uh, but thanks to some delightful combination play between former Lyon players Martin Terrier and Clément Grenier, Rennes were able to take the lead, which they increased to 2-0 in the second half and looked set to take all three Points. However, a late comeback saw OL score twice in three minutes thanks to a stunning goal and equally stunning assist from Memphis Depay uh, to help the match end as a two-all draw. Uh, Eric, what did you make of this rather eventful encounter? Yeah, eventful is, is certainly the right word for it. Um, I thought that, you know, Leon, given given that they're, given their absences... Um, Given their own fatigue, um, given that Carl Tokoakambi was only just coming back from a, a spell on the sidelines due to COVID, given that Tino Catawera was not at his best, um, you know, we've praised Leon for playing as a team throughout this season. But I think that they also showed that, you know, when the chips down, they do have that individual talent to um, change things about and to make a difference. And that was, you know, fully felt in in uh, the performance that Memphis Depay gave. I mean, he, you know, probably should have had had another goal earlier in the game um you know and, and there was the unfortunate uh goal not scored by by Jason Denayer but i think that on the whole you know the the quality that um that Depay has showed um and that made the difference and it was it was from a leon perspective i think it was refreshing to be reminded that their their depth of talent can also help them win games uh, as much as this um this system has been has has been in place. I will say though, um, I was uh, I am slightly concerned um, uh, in the uh, poor performance on the part of Mattia De Siglio. Um, let's hope Leo De Bois comes back soon, or that uh, Rudy Garcia sees fit to uh, place an idea Monday in that position. Um, just yeah, he really did not look up to it. I mean, I think the relationship uh, between Cadawere and uh, Dubois in particular has been uh, really a strong point uh, for Leon this season. And, and to not have that in, in full flower, as it were, or full flight, um, is something that I think, you know, could be problem, quite problematic for them uh, in, the, 
as they do try and chase down that title. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned um, the Siglio there, who 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 did uh, seem to have a particularly uh, um, poor game uh, going forward as well as as well as defensively. Um, but do you feel there are any kind of larger concerns based on the fact that you know when when Borujo scored that goal, that was four goals without reply. Uh, for Leon, who have looked so solid this season, do, do you do you think there's any any kind of r- real reason to be concerned there, or do you put that down, Eric? To Leon don't have a full strength side at the moment, and you know in in Lons and and Ren, you obviously have two sides with uh, with a lot of quality who are who are you know proving pretty dangerous in an attacking sense this season. I'd say the latter. I think that their fight back, uh, you know, is something to to be to be emphasised as well. Um, the fact they did battle back to get into the game um, and and to get a point that seemed very very unlikely with 10 minutes to play uh yeah i, I think that's that's the takeaway from the game that leon showed that they are they are well and truly strong contenders for this for this title um by the display they put on um going on the road to a team that's a direct rival for the champions league um and and getting a result yeah um i i think that you know it's it's a bump in the road just as They've had other bumps in the road. Look at the draw against uh, Brest, for example, with with Lopez conceding that last minute penalty. You know, we know he's one of the league's best goalkeepers, but um, everybody has a wreck every now and then. So, yeah. Um, what, one thing I'd like to touch on uh, before we move to to, to Ren, and, uh, and I'll perhaps come to you for some some thoughts on Ren, Mo. But, but Eric, just sticking with you uh, on this one. Um, obviously, it's pretty well documented now that that uh, Moussa Dembele looks like he is set to leave to join Atletico Madrid uh, on loan uh, with an option to buy. Um, firstly, you know, obviously Depay, uh, Depay, sorry, Dembele has has been a bit part player this season, but we kind of had a had a had a, a mention on one of the previous podcasts about how you know. Is there anything that could derail this Leon title challenge? One thing, perhaps, being the departures of certain players. Uh, in January, do you feel that the departure of Dembele could have an impact? And, and secondly, the club are being linked with Islam Slimani as a replacement, who obviously, you know, started very well for Monaco last season, but certainly has his his critics. Do you feel that he would be a, a suitable replacement? Um, I mean, they're different players. Slimani is slow. Uh, he's, but he is uh, in the same way as as uh, he is a very effective player at being a, sort of a battering ram. Uh, you know, his relationship with uh, Wilson Benyetta last season was a strong one. I believe for a long while he was the leader in assists with Slimani. So mm-hmm. um, having someone he can bring on as a target man and maybe shift Memphis out to the wing uh, or move to a 4-2-3-1, if that's the case, um, I think he gives Leon uh, another creative option uh, in terms of, you know, reformatting their, their attack should they need to get a goal in a, in a close match. Um Dembele, I mean, he he played in every single match for which he's been fit this season. Before breaking his arm, I believe he played in every single league match for Leon. But again, I, I think he started five of those, four of them. Um, I think that the writing was sort of on the wall in that <clears throat> during those final eight performances uh, in Lisbon that uh, when he was dropped, and I know he scored the, the brace against City, but I think the writing was on the wall for, you know, what type of player Rudy Garcia was going to emphasize this season, and it wasn't, you know, a slow-footed, more traditional number nine. Um, you know, I know Dembele has had a decent goal-scoring record for Leon, but if you ask me, I, I, I think that, you know, between his penalty misses and, you know, thinking about the misses against against Bayern, I, I think that, you know, he's not, he is a player who I think 
is fine for the week in week out in Liga. But if Leon really are an ambitious club, um, you know, I, I think his his lack of reliability, particularly from the penalty spot, uh, is is problematic. Yeah, and I think, as you say, you know, I think to a lot of people who maybe don't pay attention to Ligue 1 are surprised by kind of the events in the last few months regarding um, Dembele, especially those who watched that that Champions League tournament back in August. But, um, you know, I think Rudy Garcia has been more than justified in in his selection choices, given the way that things uh, things have panned out since in terms of just how brilliant that attacking front three have been for, for Lyon this season. Um Moving on to, to, to Ren, Mo, you know, as I said, Leon have won eight of their last nine matches. You know, they're in sensational form and quite rightly at the top of the league. But this has to be looked at as 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 points dropped, surely, in, in the in the manner in the, in the manner in which in which Leon came back in this one. Yeah, <clears throat> I think um, actually that you're right. I think it will be a sense of points dropped the fact that it came within the last 10. And I thought Leon's goals, well, very well taken. Um, were a little bit speculative, particularly the Nias header where he was just free to like into the box like the goalkeeper. Um, and I think you know, I think first of all, so to speak, um, having come out of that rut where they seven and, and eight during the Champions League um, group stages and, and struggled to, to capture, the they've come out um, on the right side of that. But I think the question marks still remain. <clears throat> I don't think they're gelling as well as they did. Um, uh, in perhaps an earlier path that I don't think I think they've 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 done well pre Christmas, but again I was after their victory at Marseille that I didn't think they were that good and capitalised on what I personally believe questionable and just I think a bit of fortune. Um and I think that's gonna come up to them. I don't think, you know, even though it was very incisive, they did find an you know, extrapolate um pocket of space that he on left and capitalised on the also pre for um but you know the results do do not tell the lie, you know, um, keeping relatively in touch with the, with the top, with the top uh, teams. Um, and I think you will see maybe what they've got a pretty different, oh, fantastic at home. You've got from Lila and that's just by the end of the And I think you will see Ren team are made up of, a, I perhaps don't see yet a collective uh, force, I think, propped up by perhaps individual, individual brilliance as collective, you know, if not performing collectively. I think we, come to know them um, especially at their peak so I think um, that's I mean they can be pretty pleased with form over the past month I think the job is there because there are a couple of players that have come into the just over the last true farewell with um, as well Doku in particular so there's 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 definitely Leon were a pretty good value they did come alive late on but um, that you know sooner or later a little bit or I which they should have perhaps scored from um, you know, XG levels um, averaging times three goals um, over expected goals mm-hmm. over a nine minute period so you know, their front three is very if you're unable to, they will come knocking. Um, so I'm not entirely surprised that they um, pick up a draw. Um, and I think, yeah, Ren will just have to look. Two points down, but, you know, also a, a, a decent point nonetheless. I, I guess if you ignore the context of the game, which of course you should never do. Um, and, you know, Ren, it's, it's fair to say Ren have had their fair share of injuries, not just during that torrid run, but even more recently. I think Gomez has only just come back from injury in goal, for example. So... Um, so you'd think that, you know, perhaps as these players start to come back, Rugan... Can I, actually, can I on. just uh, hop on that? Because of course. Yeah, I, I, uh, I feel like that the the equaliser was 100% Salman's fault. I don't think that was bad defending. I mean, he, he has to get that ball if he comes for it. And I, I do question why mm-hmm. um, 
Stefan is starting him over Gomis, who is fit now and was on the bench. I think that I think that cost him the game, you know, or cost him the two points. I I I think so. Um, maybe that's being a little bit harsh, but I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know why that decision was made. I mean, I know that Ren had been doing well in Gomis's absence, but again, you know. There's a reason why, you know, Saline has never had a, a career in France, despite being French. Um, he, you know, I, I think was a reserve for a long time in Portugal, if I recall correctly. They brought him from Sporting, where he'd been third spring or something. Um, yeah, without being unnecessarily harsh on him, I, I think that that's, that's a decision that needs to be revisited quickly if, if Ren do want to stay in the mix for the Champions League. Yeah, I, I I think it will. I mean, I think I think Salan had a had a was particularly praised for his performance against against Nantes in the derby. Um, but you know, I'm 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 as surprised as anyone that Gomis hasn't hasn't been given that starting spot. You know, I think there's a big gulf in quality there uh, in terms of goalkeeping overall. And I think Stefan was perhaps pub- punished there a bit for kind of loyalty in terms of yeah that recent performance in the uh, in the derby but but let's move on anyway to our our uh, final match from saturday that we'll be taking a look at uh, which is uh, dijon versus marseille uh, dijon uh, had recently got a win and a draw against direct competitors in the relegation battle in nîmes and perhaps less so now rams who have kind of picked up of late uh, marseille uh, had just ended a three match winless run with a victory over montpellier midweek uh, but Les Zibou held OM to a nil-nil draw at the Stade Gaston Gérard, much to uh, the surprise of many, uh, I think, or perhaps uh, not, given some of uh, Marseille's uh, more recent attacking struggles. Um, I want to start with Dijon, actually. Um, you know, Dijon are still in the relegation zone uh, and yet to win at home, but they have had to deal with a, a fair number of injuries. And, um, and... I think Linares, I'm just looking at David Linares' record since he took over, and he's won two, drawn five, and lost three. So they do seem more solid under him. Uh, Mo, what, what's your assessment of, of Dijon before moving into the game? What's your assessment of Dijon over the last 10 games or so? Um, well, I think, first of all, they've just managed to shore up the defence. Um, I think a big part of that is down to how Linares coming in. I think they've looked... Uh, very formidable in performing a low block and just keeping more proficient teams up because teams will look at this game and approach that. And like Marseille, they will have to come out and actually play football and and dominate. And I think they've managed to, um, you know, be good. I think Equile Manga and then Gondi, uh, sorry, Kulibali in particular, formed a good partnership at the back. And I think they're, they're not shipping uh, as many goals as they did. Obviously, that's still. Um, doesn't help much in particular when you've seen in uh, just for Christmas they've lost subsequent home games to Lille and Monaco. Um, but you know that's still considering the firepower that those teams possess. That's still not entirely a one you've seen in the last uh, three games. Just the one goal shipped. Um, so that's a that's a big part. But you know where there's focus on the defence, um, there's also perhaps less of a focus up front, and it's really the goals. Um, where they continue to struggle and what's left them still um, in relegation sort of battle. They haven't scored at home since 16th of October. Um, they probably should have got maybe you know one or maybe two on Saturday, but there's less of a understanding of sort of players on the same wavelength up front, despite the fact that um, uh, Mama Balde and all that bad. Um, but it just it feels like the attack is... They're unable to to, to connect well, uh, find the space. But 
um, for teams who are unable to deliver a concise attack and performance. Dijon have done very well to keep them out. Ratiopi, I think, um, was looking pretty sharp um, on on Saturday. So there's plenty to um, improve on for Dijon, but I think the most stabilised results and stabilise the defence because that was a big problem with heavy defeats earlier on um, and goal shipped. I think that they've ticked that box, at least now it's about putting the upcoming six to get the attack um, going going pretty quick. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And I think, you know, you look at the attacking talent that they have at their disposal. I mean, you mentioned Musa Kanate, uh, who obviously was previously at Amiens and uh, and joined them, uh, joined Dijon, I should say, from, from Amiens after their relegation. You have the likes of Munir Shriar, who is obviously very, very talented and um, I'm surprised he's not really been given more of a more of a look in under Linares. He's not featured as regularly as perhaps, um, well, certainly as I would have expected. And of course, you mentioned Mama Balde, who who hit the post in 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 that match. He's got 11 goals in 39 games for Dijon. Eric, do you feel he's he's the player who could ignite that attack for Dijon going forward in what in what Mo's called those kind of big six pointer matches? Balde, yeah. Uh... I understand that there's been some attitude issues with Shuyar. Um, I know he was also hurt earlier in the season. I, I, he certainly is a talented mm-hmm. player. Um, but I think, you know, I don't want to say making an example out of him, but I, I do think that, you know, if Linares is, is as, as Mo rightly said, you know, making this team more solid defensively, which the numbers bear out, um, maybe if he feels that Shuyar is not um, contributing what he ought to be defensively in terms of, of pressing or, or doing the hard work that he that that's that his being benched or not used as often is, is a, is a result of that. So, you know, I think that if, if Shuyar can get his head right and, and be the talent that he, that he, he can be, he and Balde and Kanate who, you know, let's not, let's not forget. I mean, this is a player who scored, I think 13 goals for Amiel um, during, in their first season back up after coming over from Switzerland. I mean, you know, he's definitely a proven league on a scorer. And I know we've seen in relegation battles in the recent past that, Having a player of that caliber, I mean, maybe not, you know, a totemic striker, but someone who can, you know, chip in with a fair amount of goals can can make a difference. Um, you know, I know I know Balde can also be played played wide. Um, so perhaps there's a, a system in the making there for Linares where we can get all three of those players on the pitch, you know, four three three or or something. So yeah, um, I, I think again, very encouraging results on the whole for for Dijon. You know, I think it's still an uphill battle to, to survive for that club, but. You know, I was thinking they could be historically bad at the beginning of the season. I think that the appointment of Linares has uh, changed that outlook dramatically, and I, I think, and, and in a positive way. Yeah, likewise, I, I agree, and I, I think you know, I, I, from what I was reading amongst Dijon fans, they seemed pretty happy that they'd managed to crawl their way up to the uh, relegation playoff place. So, you know, and with with Nantes in the position they are, albeit aside looking 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 improved under Raymond Dominic, we'll we'll talk about them in more detail at some point. I'm I'm sure, but you know, Dijon are looking far more solid than than the two teams below them. You have to say, uh, in Lorient and Nîmes at the moment. Mo, moving on to Marseille, then, um, what what was your assessment of this as a, as an OM performance? You know, was it was it a case of the kind of some of the same old problems we've seen from Marseille this season, uh, or was uh, the draw kind of more reflective of of Dijon's quality defensively? Um, no, I think it was, uh, the former, I think um, a lot of the same questions have, have cropped up. Um, in particular, the game was actually um, really uh, centred on the first 25 clear-cut chances. 
in particular having three of those. He could have very well had a hat composure in, in that first half. And I think with Dario Benetetto still looking very much off the boil and Tolban, you know, not really not out here. So I think he's coming in and out of match. Um, it's really more of the same for the front three. I think Marseille were never in danger of perhaps losing this game. Um, but the choices of Villas Boas, who has put in Radonjic for the second game, he scored on, at Mont- against Montpellier on Wednesday, um, ahead of Dimitri Payet, who I think there's been a little bit um, of a tiff off the field um, over the last week or so, um, has shown that there's, you know, I don't think Villas Boas has an idea of who his best front three and in what combination they are because many people know Valet Germain um, for, for, for a long, long time but surely he deserves uh, a starting spot because Dario Bennett does not bring really anything to the team he's, he's a guy that's far off competent um, and he's been subbed off quite a few times um, along, you know, as, has, as has Tolvan and as has Pai as well so it's it's a continuation of the team being bereft of ideas creating chances and normally when they do create chances which is not very often they do create substantial chances but you know they they, they just do not take them because of players looking far short of quality um it's it's a massively frustrating result i'll just put it out there because you know at one point in uh, evening obviously with leon's uh trailing at 2-0 you would have thought that it had mass they would have been on 34 points and with that you know Two points and two games in the hand, you know, both very winnable games at home. Um, they could have really been back into uh, title contention, um, could have been alone in first place. And I think over the last couple of weeks, we've moved away from thinking of Marseille as a contender, rightly so, on Lyon and, and Paris, um, because there's just not, not enough goals in this team. And I really struggle to see how we'll get better because there is a very, very difficult next couple of games. The next week, discounting obviously Wednesday, um, you know, Nîmes and then the rescheduled game against Lyon, both at home, very, very winnable games, games that we should be seeing um, the likes of Pai, the likes of Torvan, Benedetto, and if not Benedetto, give it to Germain. They really need to start shooting um, correctly, you know, really bring their shoot, drive OM to six points. Um, because you've got, after that, you've got Monaco, you've got, you've got Rennes, you've got Paris again. Um, and then Nantes and Lyon away right up to the end of February. Um, and I think those two points dropped really could have come massively handy for, for OM. And I don't think um, the, the team is as strong as it seems. I'm looking for whoever comes in this January transfer window. We're probably going to have one signing tomorrow, um, which will be uh, Paul Lirola Fiorentina, who is more similar to Bunasar than Hiroki Saka. Mm-hmm. I think really struggle to replace Saar, who actually, in hindsight, brought a lot to the in attacking endeavour. Sakai is competent, but he's not your uh, creative, dynamic attacking fullback, um, which in attacking games, like I said earlier, in games that you really need to unlock um, and really play out you know, wide and be dynamic and create chances, Marseille very much struggle, but in games where they um, are not perhaps a favourite, which they happily able to concede possession. They've managed to really uh, stun people in a lot of games and a lot of the big games this season. Um, they've 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 done that pretty well, but they've looked absolutely woeful in game. You know they're expected to be on the front foot against uh, Laurie on the Strasbourg, which were you know laboriously won mm. uh, by OM. The latter, of course, just the one shot on target. 
Um, or no, sorry, not even the one shot target, just the one shot itself yeah. of the 90 minutes that led to three points. So you see like the endeavor that Marseille are really, really struggling to do. And I think this really has to stop. So I'm hoping, praying um, by the end of January that um, Eric Millick um, from Napoli um, is able to come on. I don't, that, you know, that would actually be a pipe dream of the finances perhaps involved. But, you know, we really, if, if they are going to qualify the chance, and I think, you know, in a month's time, we'll have a clearer idea of who those three teams will um, if Marseille want to stay in contention, goals have to come. They do indeed. I've also seen today the club linked with a uh, mind striker, Jean-Philippe um, Mateta, who, of course, played for Lyon briefly, but I think had his best season on loan at Le Havre in France in, in Ligue 2, similarly to, to Tino Cadawere. But um, he's doing very well for Mainz this season, 10 goals in, in 17 games for a, a pretty poor side. So I think someone like him or Milik, as you say, as you say, Mo, could be what this team needs. Um, let's move on to what is a big match then and perhaps promises better things from Marseille. Uh, the Trophée des Champions, uh, which takes place this Wednesday, um, at the Stade uh, Boléar de Lelis in Lens. Um, it is, of course, league winners Paris Saint-Germain versus Marseille, who were league runners-up, PSG. Uh, Marseille in it, sorry, because PSG, of course, won uh, the Coupe de France. Um, big chance here for both, po- well, for Pochettino within weeks of arriving, um, uh, but also Andre Villas-Boas to, to win their first uh, trophies at their uh, respective clubs. Mo, Marseille will obviously be underdogs here, but they did obviously defeat PSG in the Classique and you, you mentioned that they've played far better in the big games in Ligue 1 than they have in against sides such as, as Dijon. What do you feel their chances are going into, into this match, especially considering PSG's injury list? Yeah, well, exactly. I think it's a fantastic opportunity. I think Marseille and the Villas-Boas have, have really learned that it's actually better to come with a certain game plan and and to 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 frustrate the opponents and really play to your strengths as it was in his first game against Paris where he just he wrote it off and not four uh, 0 So it clearly worked in September and I think given the recent woes of the team and perhaps a couple of the players that are very short on quality, um tomorrow or Wednesday rather would be um the perfect opportunity to to really turn the season around, I think, over the course of the 90 minutes if Marseille do manage I mean it is a glorious uh, glorified friendly um, as many people say but perhaps <laughs> the winners will not you know a trophy is still a trophy and I think with it's the first trophy that Marseille could potentially win in eight years um, and they've won this competition um, at the turn of the last decade twice beating Paris in the first uh, final in 2010 um, and then the year. I think it would really be a massive um, to the team and I think it will it shouldn't pose any question marks on Pochettino or Paratani-Rum because this perhaps going through the motions. And uh, I think given the situation um, off the field, uh, perhaps no one really needed this game uh, to be you know, absolutely truthful. But um, it's it's a great you know time for for Marseille to really focus and um, uh, make you know really make use of this game and make it worthwhile. And that and that is to treat this game very seriously against a big opponent, perhaps, um, you know, put in a players who, who like Germain, who has, who has not had a starting role for, for quite a while, but in the absence of other formidable attacking balls, he can, he can maybe do a job or two. And I think they will, they will look to that one nil victory in September and see, you know, the joy that it created and, and, and positivity that it generated knowing that come Wednesday evening, they could have a trophy to show for it and, 
and uh, really to turn the corner uh, in their season. I think it would be a massive, massive pull for both Villas Boas and, and and the players. Um, so that would be great. But I think Paris Saint um, looking for revenge, um, and they've got definitely the tools um, to do so. I think one thing hmm. I've always respected PSG for is that they've always treated the Marseille game as, as very, very serious. No matter you know, you no matter if they've been winning fifteen games in a row, had they lost a sixteenth to Marseille those fans would have been pretty pissed um, the day after. Um, so they've always taken the Marseille game seriously um, in whatever format it took. Um, and that's something that's always frustrated me because I've seen them perhaps lay off the gas a little bit um, against other teams, but against OM it's always been, and the result mm. ends up being lopsided. So, you know, PSG do have a you do have uh, some injuries to contend with, but there's a lot of players off, um, I've been on the bench for a while, Sarabia, for example, who's you know perhaps chomping in the bit and he has the quality certainly to damage the Marseille defence. So it'll be very interesting to see how both teams approach the game. You know, no one really needs the game, but come you know Wednesday evening at the fourth, it could really you know um, add another layer to to one team's season and really provide the platform to negotiate the last couple months of this. Eric, if I if I had to put you on the spot now, who do you see winning this one? Paris Saint-Germain, uh, but I would also add this game should not be played. There's no point to it. This game functions as a showcase internationally. It can be played in Canada. It can be played in Algeria, China, United States. Um, and from that point of view, it makes sense. Um, but having attended the two that have been in North America, it feels like a friendly when it's played. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it's just not, there's no reason to be playing an extra game Uh you know, five months after the fact, um, it, given the current health situation and the current uh, financial situation, the clubs in, in France, but you know, there's there's just no point in this match being played. And I get I get the the pride aspect that you've alluded to there, Mo. But um, you know, for the health and safety of the players, given the injuries that that you know Marseille have a thin squad, PSG have had plenty of injuries, and both are going to have you know what I assume they would hope is a busy. Um, set of fixtures coming up, given given the start of the Coupe de France later this month. Um, yeah, it just it just makes absolutely zero sense to play this match. Um, you know, I, I think PSG will win comfortably because of you know the attacking issues that Marseille evinced, as, as Mo has alluded to. But I, I really think the results beyond beside the point. Yeah, I mean, it does. It does seem ridiculous at this point, uh, as you say. It is it is very much a showpiece match, and perhaps even even in other European countries, I think the domestic Super Cup is is taken more seriously than in countries like uh, France and and also also England, for example. Um, and uh, you know, given the, the the ridiculous schedule that these teams have had over the over the last season and a half, um, it, it it seems like a, a an unnecessary step too far, but. Uh, we look forward to what will hopefully be an entertaining match, um, albeit perhaps a relatively uh, futile one. Um, guys, before we move on to the, uh, the the last segment of the show, um, I just wanted to to get your uh, your thoughts on this question we had on Twitter from Boys in the Bonlieus, who asked, uh, who do you think needs to uh, have the best transfer window in Ligue 1 at either end of the table? Um Mo, I'll come to you first on that one. Um, is it Marseille? Sorry, was on was on mute there. That's okay. um, no worries. He, yeah, no, absolutely. You've answered the question already for me. I think it absolutely has to be Marseille. I think um, 
I will discount the teams at the bottom because clearly you can make case for perhaps Neem um, in particular if they want to salvage their their league and status. Um, you've got maybe some Etienne and who are languishing at the, uh, the wrong end of the table. Have struggled for a long while, so but I don't see any investment forthcoming from 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 them for for a while. Um, I think it has to be Marseille because you know a lot of the team have been around for for quite a while. You know, three, four, five years plus. And in, in the case of the leaders, Manda Payetol, and they are um, been around for for nearly a decade or more in Mandanda's case. And I think that's led to a pretty stale team. Um, I think one of the issues. Um, that has led to perhaps the attacking um, failure, so to speak, that I just spoke about in the last segment, is that players are not really on the same wavelength anymore. I think, you know, Torvan and Pai have perhaps struggled to play together, um, which is a shame because they did so pretty perfectly in team, but mm. Payet, um has, um, you know, had the majority of last season carrying Marcel in his back and Torvan in particular has done so for large parts um, um, especially when Pyatt was was in England as well, so it, you know both are quite individualistic. It's hard that you know they focus on the two massive personalities, and I think the rest of them have been quite still. The only investment has been at centre back level in the midfield, and I think they've been perhaps relatively stable. But you know, Marvi has been the only left back for a while. Sakai is the um, right back now, and in, um, in the departure of Bruno Sarr and has been first choice for about four or five years you know while while I do like Sakai a lot he's not perhaps top tier level um and then you've got the perennial number nine issue um so they really need to I think personally they, they do need a clear run I think if Marseille are going to turn the page you know perhaps wholesale change uh, might be required and I think that's something that Villas Boas maybe alluded to in, in recent press conferences talked about a year zero coming up in 2021 for OM given a number of players out of contract and and you know the off the field issues with the pandemic and media pro and, and the continued FFP uh, worries. Um, so that's something you, we might be looking at not just in the January, but in the summer. But definitely in January, you know Marseille cannot be. Um, you know how they say that you know some something's idiotic. We do the same thing over and over again and expect different outcome. Well, if Marseille will not sign anybody, anybody in those problematic areas. You know, how do they expect to to negotiate the last third of this? Yeah. Um, you know, Benedetto is suddenly not going to wake up and become a 15-goal uh, season striker. Um, same for Payet. You know, Torvan perhaps is, has been showing a lot more output um, for, compared to his teammates, but really you're going to have to inject some quality and have to come from the market. Yeah, I think the definition of insanity is, as you put it pretty aptly there, Mo, would be not... Uh, not making the most of this window to get someone in, especially in light of, um, you know, how well the teams around OM are doing uh, domestically this season. Uh, what about you, Eric? What's your take on on a team who who really need a big transfer window this January? Um, I think Marseille is yeah is the answer. I, I think Mess could do mm-hmm. with a could do with a striker. I don't think uh, Aaron Leyeseka is the answer there. I think there's a lot of good things that are happening at Mess, uh, other than. Other than the lack of a striker, you know, I think with the with Neon having gone down to that that serious injury, unfortunately, I think they're really starting to show something. But uh, having that taken away seems a little bit cruel. Um, I would say cynically that Neem could do with a striker, given, but you know, I, I take that back. Actually, Neem could do with a, a defender. Um, mm. I, I think that the, the players at their disposal uh, just are not up to it. Um, you know, whether that's that's Briançon, um, Martinez, um, they, they just the 
the lack of quality at center back there is just shocking. Um, and, and it's been that way, you know, under Blackar, under Arpinon. Um, that's not an, an area that they addressed in the summer. And I think it's really coming back to bite them, bite them at this point in time. Yeah, for sure. Especially considering even, even though there is a lack of quality in that area, they've had a, a, a whole host of injuries all over the pitch, but in particular in, in defence um, over the last kind of four or five fixtures. So, um, so definitely an area I think they need to be looking to address. Finally, then, to, to end the show, um, I'd like to end it with a brief segment done before where we take a look at one of the young talents uh, who have impressed us in Ligue 1. Uh, normally, I guess, with a particularly impressive performance the preceding weekend. But this week, we'll be taking a look at Ren left-back Adrian Truffer, who ha- hasn't necessarily impressed us with a particular recent performance, but more has impressed this half season as a whole, uh, actually earning a place in L'Equipe's team of the season so far at left back. Um, perhaps surprising uh, to many, but also uh, indicative of the impact he has made. Uh, the 19-year-old was born in Belgium, but came up through the Rennes Academy. And uh, I think it's safe to say that before the season, he probably would have seen, uh, imagined his chances limited, given uh, that Rennes left-back Feitu Mawasa uh, is uh, widely considered one of the better fullbacks in the league. But he, of course, has struggled uh, with injury this season, which has opened the door to Truffert. Uh, Eric, could you uh, tell us a bit about Truffert and, and what your impressions have been of him so far this season? Yeah, you know, I, I, he's a player who I don't think anybody, you know, unless you're... <laughs> finding a way to watch Ren's reserve matches, uh, knew much about. And I think he was third choice um, at the beginning of the season. They had brought in uh, Dalbert, you know, late of Nice to shore up the side um, at left back. And um, But then, you know, Mawasa had this injury. Truffer came on against Monaco, got a goal and an assist, you know, a Roy of the Rovers type debut um, to, to get a 2-1 win over Monaco in that match. Um, and I think that in the time since, um, you know, there's Moas has continued to struggle with injury, but he's by and large kept Dalbert out of the team. You know, I know Dalbert is back in France, uh, not having lived up to, you know, what was ho- hoped of him since since leaving Nice. But, you know, when he was at Nice, he was one of the better, uh, you know, fullbacks in the league. And I think that Truffert at just 19 is is uh, is looking like that himself. I mean, he's not. <laughs> He's not uh, he's not the best fullback in the league. I think Lakeith had that wrong. I think that has to be Romain Perrault. Um, and Homerism aside, I probably have to put Maxwell Cornet ahead of him as well. I think Cornet has really adapted well to that position mm-hmm. this season. But apropos of that, I, I, I do think that Truffert has had a strong start to the season. There is a you know if you look at uh, the numbers he's producing, and if you look at Ren's record in the matches in which he is starting, um, it's really promising. And I think that you know going forward that can allow the club to. Uh, either play too fair farther forward as he as he has done on a couple occasions this season, uh, you know, or to uh, or to play Mawasa further forward. I mean, Mawasa is a player uh, who, going back to his time in, at uh, Nancy, <clears throat> had had been used further forward. He'd been used as a central midfielder as well. He's got a lot of versatility and a lot of pace. Um, so it, it just allows uh, Julien Stefan to have more options going forward. And it's you know, as as we were talking about earlier with the, with uh, the improvement uh, on the part of Mo- Moise Can. Um, to have a young player who's multivalent in this way and can can help the team in multiple positions is really impressive, and it's 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 a really important thing. And it again, underscores that the quality of the academy at at Ren, which I think you know we talk often about 
the the players that Leon bring through or the players that got away at PSG. But you know, Ren year in year out have had a fairly strong academy, and you know, in in Camavinga and True Fair, um, you know, there's there's strong evidence of that uh, as well. I mean, those two are integral parts to the way this team play, um, and you know, long may it continue. Um, I think that. Uh, you know, true fair. I mean, and there are other talented young left backs at his age. I think also Bard at, at Leon, um, and and you know, and Backer at PSG around the league. But um, I, I think there's every chance that he continues to develop and continues to be, um, you know, a, a highly touted talent. Yeah, it's been a pretty um, swift swift rise, shall we say, for, for for true fair. And I guess you you kind of answered answered my question there, Eric, with what you were saying about potentially you know seeing Ren experiment with where they play true fair. You know, do they play him further forward or do they play Maurasa further forward? But based on what you have seen of him this season, you know, if we are considering them both strictly for the left back position, do you see true fair having displaced Maurasa, or do you still? Imagine that once he's he's kind of fully fit and perhaps has, gets a run of games under his belt, he'll he'll displace the uh, the young Truffer. I n- earlier in the season, when Moasa was still fit, I mean, he I thought he was playing as one of the better, if not the best, left back in in the league. He he had a really strong start to the season. That injury came at a really unfortunate time to him, especially in light of for me. Um, I think France, the senior team, having a somewhat iffy situation at left back. You know, I don't I know you know. Uh, Theo Hernandez has his has his supporters. I don't think he offers enough going forward. I think Luca Dean's you know the other side of that coin. Um, but I thought Malassa in, in the improvements that he's made under Julien Stefan uh, really offered the right balance of, of attack going forward and and of and, and of defensive solidity. Um, you know, sort of you know sort of making the same improvements uh, that Hamari Traore has. Right? If we look at those players both as being sort of pace merchants, um, I think that they've improved to be more complete players. Uh, under the guidance of Stefan. And I think that Mawasa probably is the better option going forward long term because I think that, yeah, he, he was in excellent form before being injured and uh, hopefully he's back, back to his best. He's a player who I've had a lot of time for uh, for quite a while now since he came through. I mean, it's been, you know, four plus years since he's he first appeared in Liga and I think he's a he continues to be a younger, youngish talent to watch at this point. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you there. And I, I certainly thought he was he was one of, uh, certainly very, very much in with a shout of being the best left back in the league last season as well, Mauasa. So, I mean, having having two, um, you know, quality younger left backs, particularly kind of modern fullbacks, I suppose, in, in their kind of attacking capabilities is a luxury in, in modern football. And, and one I'm sure Wren and Wren fans will enjoy uh, for as long as they are both there. But yeah, Adrian Truffert, uh made Lekeep's team of the season so far at left back. Definitely one to watch. Um, that will be all from us this evening. Thanks very much for joining me tonight, guys. As always, make sure you're following us at GFFN on Twitter for all the latest news from the world of French football. And please check out our website, sketfootballnewsfrance.com. I'm Jake Smales, and I've been joined tonight by Mohamed Ali and Eric Devin. Um, stay safe, enjoy the football and have a great week.